about power and success. And, and the, the, yeah. often what people are encouraged to do is just pick a goal, whatever it is, whether it's just to dominate others or to like get rich, to look awesome or whatever, and then yeah. pursue it with single-minded determination. But of course, biblically, mm-hmm. that is, and just functionally, that's not the right way to live, right? Yeah. Your goals ultimately have to be about bringing glory to God, I think, and serving your fellow man. Welcome to the podcast called Your Future Self Will Thank You with Drew Dick and Jeremy Slager. With secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science, this podcast will help you make change that lasts. Your Future Self Will Thank You podcast, self-control and habit building from a distinctly Christian perspective. Well, okay, we're back. Episode two, Your Future Self podcast with Drew Dick and... Jeremy Slager. I'm really excited about this. Um, Just really quickly to recap what we talked about last time, Mm -hmm. and we'll test my memory and see how good it is here. It's been a little bit uh, since we recorded the first episode, but we talked about how important self-control is, basically. How study after study has shown that it... When people have self, good self-control, either as children even, um, or in adulthood, it often is very highly predictive of favorable life outcomes, which is just kind of academic speak for things are going to go better for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have better relationships and um, do better in your job and academically and all those kind of good things. Um, we also talked about how self-control is an instrumental virtue, meaning it's, the, it's, it's not just kind of one nice virtue among many others, but it's actually foundational. It is instrumental in developing other virtues because you can't be kind or generous or selfless if you don't have self-control, right? Seems kind of obvious, but I think it's it's worth restating. And actually, I'm going to start off by quoting you, Jeremy. <laughs> so, watch out. Yeah, watch out. But I thought you said something. We were in a, a meeting uh, yesterday with a, um, a bunch of other people. And we were talking about this topic of self-control. Jeremy said, mm-hmm. he kind of, he put this challenge up there. He said, imagine yourself five or ten years down the road from now, okay? <clears throat> You're a little older, maybe you got a couple more wrinkles, a gray hair or two. Um, but imagine that ten years from now, say, you have the exact same bad habits. They're just as bad. The same besetting sins. You're no better at making progress in those frustrating areas of your life. Mm-hmm. And it was remarkable because there was this like audible gasp I felt like from the room because yeah. it's just not a great thought. Yeah. And yet, let's be honest, often that's exactly what happens. Yeah. No one plans on that. And the reason it often happens is because we don't improve when it comes to self-control. Yeah. Yeah. If you are wanting to to pray more and be able to pray in the morning and get that communion with God to start your day. It's depressing to think of five years from now, this is something that I want to do, and yet I'm still not doing it. Right. It's like, what am I doing with my life? And it's so helpful to think there's something that we can do. There's progress that we can make towards these goals. If only we take a step back and say, we need to work on our Mm self-control. We need a better plan. We need a better understanding of why we do the things that we do. 
in order for us to reach those goals that we've set for ourselves. Right. And I think that's motivating and clarifying sometimes is to take that imaginative leap ahead and go and not to be all self-helpy and, oh, I want to be the best, you know, at this or that. But listen, you want to make some progress, right? And and spiritually even in your life, you want to be a little more like Jesus next year than you are right now. Yeah. Uh, At least I do. And so I think, I think uh, that's true for most of us who call ourselves believers. Um, Well, so what are we talking about today, Drew? Okay, we're going to talk about a a different but related topic. Mm -hmm. What I want to talk about is the role of purpose and these mysterious things called sanctified goals, and I'll explain that more in a second, Mm -hmm. um, and how they relate to self-control, both when it comes to guiding our self-control, like, okay, we want to be disciplined, but why? And then secondly, actually enabling us to be more self-controlled, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, So I'll open it up by explaining a little more about what I mean by sanctified goals, because that's probably a confusing term. Of course, we think maybe as Christians, we think of sanctification. That's the theological $10 word for becoming more like Jesus, maturing spiritually. This is a little different. This just kind of means a goal with a spiritual dimension to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in 2009... Uh, a couple of uh, University of Miami researchers, Michael McCullough and Brian Willoughby, did something weird. Well, I guess it was weird to their fellow academics, as they describe it. They published a paper on the link between religion and self-control. Mm-hmm. And bizarrely, before this, this is like, yeah, what, 10 years ago? They, uh, no one had ever really looked at this in depth. And they found, unsurprisingly to me anyway, that people that were more active and serious about their faith tended to have higher levels of self-control. Part of the reason, maybe not too surprising, if you have grown up in church and sat on hard wooden benches through long, boring sermons, (laughs) that's a pretty good way to develop self-control. Exercising that muscle of self-control every week. Right. And actually, incidentally, I think that's good for kids, man. I I didn't get the, like, special, like, go down a slide and play with toys while the big (laughs) people sat in big church. I had to suffer through long, boring sermons when I was eight years old. And I think that's why I can do it today. Anyway. Do your kids? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Sometimes. Yeah. And, and I wish they would more because yeah. like our church, it's great, but they, they'll like dismiss them. Like they'll do one song and then the kids go to their little church. Right. Uh-huh. But once in a while we'll keep them through the big church, even though they're wriggling around like fish. Yeah. And, but I love it because even, I think there's something to that and this is a tangent, but yeah. I think it's actually good for kids. But what they actually isolated, the, the kind of the causal agent when it comes to participating in religious services, um, that's part of it. Part of it's the ritual mm-hmm. um, and stuff. But they, they, they isolated what they called sanctified goals. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the tendency that believers have to attach spiritual significance to their endeavors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um and it was powerful. And this is this is a quote from them, from this, the, the 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 findings from their paper. They said, "Goal sanctification of this nature appears to energize goal striving and influence successful goal attainment." And that's a clunky way of saying you do better. Yeah. When you attach spiritual significance to your goals. So, what is it about a spiritual significance that makes it more more likely? that you would go and finish and you accomplish that goal. Hmm. I just think it's because spiritual things tend to be ultimate things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so here, let's, let's give an example just off the top of my head. Okay. So say someone wants to lose weight, mm-hmm. which is a pretty sort of non-spiritual thing in a way. Right. 
And maybe you want to lose weight because, man, I want to fit into that old dress or those old jeans. You want to get ready for the summer beach body. There you go. That's what drives me. <laughs> I know that's the same with you, Jeremy. Um, <clears throat> and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, whatever, yeah. right? And, or, or say you just want to be healthier. Yeah. That's fine. But if you kind of kick it up a notch and go, you know what? This is my body, according to Scripture, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be around for my children and be more energetic for them. That's even going up a, one level. Or I want to have more energy and vitality to do what God put me on earth to do, mm-hmm. right? So what you've done is you've imbued this, this kind of earthly goal of losing weight with some spiritual significance. Yeah. And the research would tell us that when you do that, when you spiritualize your goals— you're going to have greater success in attaining them. So in the book, um, you talked a lot about your journey trying to learn to run. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I don't want to give away the ending on how you did with that. But how did you transfer transfer that goal into being a sanctified goal? Right. Right. How do you you take some of those goals where you're like, I just need to do this, and not being in like a – not forcing it, but how do you how do you make it a sanctified goal? Right. Well, I think I mean first of all, I watched Chariots of Fire <laughs> and thought of the theme song running on the beach. No, I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> and I joked. I said when I you know Eric Little in that movie says when I run I feel his pleasure, but when I run I feel his displeasure. <laughs> it is not a good thing. Uh-huh. Um, and yet I yeah I was able to kind of establish a regimen of, of running which was um, beneficial. But yeah, I mean the first thing I think of is I, I do think of my kids. You know, I have young children, and I go, man, do I want to um, be out of shape, not enough energy for them? And, I mean, not to get too dark, but possibly even, you know, because of heart disease or something, not be around for them. Um, But then, you know, I think it's it's okay. It might feel a little funny, but I prayed about it, you know? It's like, God, you've given me this body. I know you don't want me to be out of shape. I know you want me to be vital and healthy. Help me with this. Um, And we'll we'll get into prayer, too. Of course, that's a huge... um, uh, part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just submitting mundane earthly goals to God and seeing them in spiritual terms has been really helpful for me. So when you're talking about this, it's sounding like setting a goal for your own self benefit isn't enough. Right. So when you're talking Good about point. your running goal, your goal of just being healthier for you isn't enough to motivate you. Right. That adding that sanctified goal of being there for your kids, of running for the pleasure of God, of <laughs> those, those goals for other people are a better motivation for yourself than yourself. It's, right. And that's the problem with so much literature on discipline and self-control, I think. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've gone to the store, like bookstore, and just looked at the titles, and it's all about power and success. And, and the, the, yeah. often what people are encouraged to do is just pick a goal, whatever it is, whether it's just to dominate others or to, like, get rich to look awesome or whatever, and then yeah. pursue it with single-minded determination. But, of course, biblically, mm-hmm. that is, and just functionally, that's not the right way to live, right? Yeah. Your goals ultimately have to be about bringing glory to God, I think, and serving your fellow man. And the cool thing about the research is when you do that, when you do have these kind of worthwhile sanctified goals, um, you actually are better at attaining them. Mm -hmm. So that's motivation as well. The the most terrifying thing for me is to develop self-control for the wrong reasons. Right? We can go through history and think of people. You know, Hitler wasn't lazy, right? Yeah. I mean... 
these people that were, you know, really dedicated to their cause, but it was a bad cause mm-hmm. or a destructive cause. So the first thing is to get the purpose right. Okay, mm-hmm. let's make this about God. Let's make it about others and God's purposes for us. And then develop self-control to reach the right. And I forget who said the, the quote about, you know, it's no good to climb a ladder if it's leaning against the wrong wall. And it's Thomas Merton. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yes, I know I referenced in the book. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, obviously you know my the book better than I do. Anyway, <laughs> yes, Thomas Merton. And that's a great point. You don't want to climb up that ladder and realize, man, I've leaned it against the wrong yeah. wall. Yeah, because how, how devastating is that? Because you spend all this time and effort and work to build that self-control, and then you find in the end that it's not actually going to bring what you want. Yes. That if you want happiness, and you're leaning that ladder up against the wall of happiness, and you find when you get to the top that seeking happiness only produces discontent. Yes, and then another kind of cruel irony that happens. When you make kind of secondary things, even good things, yeah. your ultimate goal, you end up ruining those things, right? So yeah. if you think, oh, my marriage is just going to be, it's going to make my whole life complete. Marriage is a great thing. It should bring you satisfaction and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of discount God and you just think your marriage is the ultimate thing, what happens? You put way too many expectations on your marriage. Yeah. Um, and that, that institution, as great as it is of marriage, wasn't meant to bear the full weight of your complete allegiance and yeah. happiness, right? Yeah. And so um, when, we, when we get our priorities in the right order, it helps us actually preserve the good things in our lives that aren't supposed to be the only or ultimate thing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. This is, I, I've got a great example of um, a friend who I've been so impressed with. Over the last year, she has lost 100 pounds. Wow. And um, we used to live in the same town and hang out, her and her husband, um, good friends of mine, and so I've just kind of watched this uh, on Facebook because she's got like pictures of her last Christmas and this Christmas and the, the difference is incredible. Um, and it caught my eye what she wrote. I'll just read it. Um, this is kind of about her motivations for why she's lost weight. She says, I press on when it is hard and I want to quit. I'm focused on my whys. I want to be able to take my girls on a roller coaster. I don't want to go on medications because I can't manage my weight and my diet. I want to live a long and healthy life for my girls and future grandchildren. And I want to feel good about myself and buy cute clothes again. (laughs) I want those things more than I want a cheeseburger. I love that. Now, now, that isn't, I know she is a believer and I know God's part of this for sure. But what she's done is, and she she references, I want to buy cute clothes again. There's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, what I hear in that is she's thinking about her children, right? She's Mm -hmm. not just thinking about, okay, I I want to look a little better. This has a bigger significance for her. And she keeps that purpose at the forefront of her mind when that cheeseburger is offered to her. Mm-hmm. And she's learned to say no to that. And it has strengthened her self-control. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And so, so when we are setting goals for ourselves, we're, we're right now coming up into the new, new year. Yeah. So when we're thinking about setting goals for ourselves, we need to make sure that <laughs> we don't just focus on ourselves. Yes. But that we have a bigger and better reason for the things that we're wanting to do. That's exactly right. And as cheesy as it may seem, you know, to talk to God about it. Yeah. To think through the theological implications and reasons for why you're setting that goal Mm -hmm. in the first place. And this is really cheesy, but like, you know, I'll even write it down somewhere visibly where I can see it. Right. 
um, to kind of keep that at the forefront of your mind. Because this is the, this is a scary thing I've seen in my own life. I'm an expert at like compartmentalizing <laughs> right, the rest of my life from like Sunday in church yeah. and everything. I go, yeah. okay, yeah, I'm Christian. I love God. Okay, I'll sing the songs, listen the sermon. Then Monday comes and I got these goals and I'm like, okay, man, it's just me and these goals. I got to grit it out. Um, and I don't think about God and how this relates ultimately to my life mm-hmm. and to the people around me. And, and it's really good to keep that at the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not enough. And we'll get into this more. I'm really excited about the next episode because we're going to talk about habits. And those are crucial because you can have this great purpose. You can have that all figured out. And that's definitely the first step. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have some of these other strategies that make behavior change easier, Mm-hmm. you'll be stuck still. So I don't want to say this is enough, but this is the first thing. Purpose, you know, um, making goals that are other-centered, other not just, you know, selfish yeah. goals, and bringing God into the equation is a great first step to attaining your goals and building your self-control. So if we get started on this process 10 years from now, <sighs> hopefully we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to see the progress that has been made step by step. Yeah. And our future self will thank us. Oh, I like how you, that was so smooth. That's the title of the book, folks. Uh, your future self will thank you. Secrets of self-control from the Bible and brain science. And he just seamlessly segued that. <laughs> in, and I appreciate it. Um, so I think our time is just about up. We're trying to keep these short and sweet. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you with a quote. And this is weird. I, I, this, I promise this is the last time I will quote Frederick Nietzsche, <laughs> atheistic <laughs> philosopher. And it is Nietzsche. It's not Nietzsche, apparently. I learned this from the academic stops. Maybe you knew that. Man, they all saying it wrong. Names. I know. Oh, well. All right, here it is. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Hmm. So I think that, that's kind of a concise way of, of stating what we've been talking about, right? Hmm. If you've got that ultimate purpose out in front of you, it's amazing what you can put up with in the day-to-day to get there. So that's important. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, you're sticking with us, keep pressing on, identify that purpose that you have for those goals, keep it front and center, and you will be amazed at how much self-control you have as you strive towards your goals. All right. And next time, like I mentioned, we'll be talking about habits. We breaking down the habit loop. Mm. That's really interesting. We'll be talking about a little bit of brain geeky sciencey stuff. What happens in your brain as you form a habit and why habits are so crucial to this topic. See you next time. Awesome. Thanks. You have been listening to the Future Self Podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, subscribe and leave a review wherever you find your podcasts. Your Future Self Podcast, self-control and habit building from a distinctly Christian perspective. We'll see you next time.